And yet another unprecedented action publicly by the FISA court. It bans FBI agents and DOJ attorneys involved in the Russia probe from even appearing before the FISA court. Live from Washington, D.C., Jay Sekulow Live. Phone lines are open for your questions right now. Call 1-800-684-3110. That's 1-800-684-3110. And now, your host, Jordan Sekulow. So this is unprecedented. You don't usually hear from the FISA court this often. Of course, they have rotating judges from our federal courts that that are in charge of the FISA court, really the FISC, the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Court, which applies FISA, the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Ask, uh, Act. But I think we now have had, had, we've had two orders this year and one at the end of last year. Public orders. So that the public knows that the judges on FISA are taking the wrongdoing found in the Inspector General's report more seriously than even the person appointed uh, to review FISA. And they're actually going a step further. So the decision by uh, uh, Judge uh, James Bosper, he's chief judge under uh, uh, chief judge of FISA currently, uh, he has said this, quote, this is from the decision, FBI personnel under dis- disciplinary review in relation to their work on FISA applications accordingly should not participate in drafting, verifying, reviewing, or submitting such applications to the court while the review is pending, the same prohibition applies to any DOJ attorney under disciplinary review, as well as any DOJ or FBI personnel right. who are the subject of a criminal referral related to their work on FISA applications. Those are all, by the way, related to the Foreign Intelligence uh, Warrant to uh, monitor Carter Page. Yeah, so what we said from the beginning with this so-called you know, Russia probe, the... Um, Mueller report was doomed from its start. It was corrupt from its start. Bob Mueller did nothing to correct that, in our view. And now let me read you another paragraph from that report. From This is a court order that was issued just on uh, March 4th, just two days ago. It says, The frequency and seriousness of these er- errors in a case that, given its sensitive nature, had an unusually high level of review at both DOJ and the Federal Bureau of Investigation, have called into question the reliability of the information proffered in other FBI applications. Now, this is to get warrants against U.S. citizens. Understand what's at stake here. So I want to be clear. I have said from the beginning that this whole thing was a fraud and a sham. And I said that during the Mueller probe. I said it on the floor of the United States Senate during the impeachment proceeding. And all this does is show every day that these new orders comes out, it shows that we were right, that this was a scam on the American people and what Bob Mueller did and what allowed to happen, I should say, and what the FBI and DOJ allowed to happen is frankly completely outrageous and unprecedented in U.S. history of the abuse that was going on. This is a court that does not have defense lawyers present. Yeah, and Harry, this is coming at a time when Congress has got a deadline uh, and just next week uh, to renew FISA. And you've got both sides. You've got President Trump saying, "I will not sign this if you pass just a blanket uh, renewal." Uh, you know, just and and it, it doesn't include reforms. And Jerry Nadler, Chairman of the Judiciary Committee, who has not been able to get that through his committee because of bipartisan opposition. Interesting. After the the impeachment, one of the impeachment managers, Zoe Lofgren, 
who wanted to impeach the president, is leading the effort to oppose the blanket reauthorization of FISA. And they and they laughed at us. They laughed. Remember here, they, they laughed at us. Conspiracy theories. Yes, I, I think mo- more and more Americans on both sides of the aisle are justifiably skeptical of the FISA process, in part because of the rogue actions by FBI agents and Department of Justice officials who have essentially violated the constitutional rights of American citizens. You know, a couple weeks ago I said if it was a short-term reauthorization, you let Attorney General Barr make some rec changes, but they had to do real reforms for long-term authorization, that'd be okay. But I'm not sure now if you let that go through. I really, because the court is kind of telling us, don't reauthorize us. That's how I read it. We'll take your calls. 1-800-684-3110. At the American Center for Law and Justice, we're engaged in critical issues at home and abroad. Whether it's defending religious freedom, protecting those who are persecuted for their faith, uncovering corruption in the Washington bureaucracy, and fighting to protect life in the courts and in Congress, the ACLJ would not be able to do any of this without your support. For that, we are grateful. Now there's an opportunity for you to help in a unique way. For a limited time, you can participate in the ACLJ's Matching Challenge. For every dollar you donate, it will be matched. A $10 gift becomes $20. A $50 gift becomes $100. This is a critical time for the ACLJ. The work we do simply would not occur without your generous support. Take part in our Matching Challenge today. You can make a difference in the work we do, protecting the constitutional and religious freedoms that are most important to you and your family. Give a gift today online at aclj.org. Only when a society can agree that the most vulnerable and voiceless deserve to be protected is there any hope for that culture to survive. And that's exactly what you are saying when you stand with the American Center for Law and Justice to defend the right to life. We've created a free, powerful publication offering a panoramic view of the ACLJ's battle for the unborn. It's called Mission Life. It will show you how... You are personally impacting the pro-life battle through your support. And the publication includes a look at all major ACLJ pro-life cases, how we're fighting for the rights of pro-life activists, the ramifications of Roe v. Wade 40 years later, Planned Parenthood's role in the abortion industry, and what Obamacare means to the pro-life movement. Discover the many ways your membership with the ACLJ is empowering the right to life. Request your free copy of Mission Life today online at aclj.org slash gift. So we've heard from many members of Congress who've weighed in on this, who have talked to the president. The president says, I'm not reauthorizing the full Patriot Act if there's not real reforms to FISA. And, and as Senator Rand Paul is not a fan of this kind of spying on Americans, as I think a lot of people have kind of joined that uh, because... We're not living in just the post 9-11 world, uh, you know, three months removed anymore, where the government was rushing, and you were part of that, but the government was rushing to get a hand on the terrorism issue, and there's a different world now. It is. Uh, We we do face still Islamic terror threats and other terror threats, and I think there's an issue of saying if you're going to have a court like this and saying it can never be used against any Americans because what about terror cells that have an, an American in them? Now, if there are terror cells that, if there's someone in that cell that isn't American, well, then you can still get the FISA warrant on that person. But there has got to be, this can no longer be an ex parte process. 
The court is telling us this. We need to explain, banning, what, explain what ex parte, ex parte is for everybody. Means, they need there's to no defense. What is. There's not even someone there because it has to remain secretive or else there's no point to this court, right? So if you're going to do this, there's got to be someone there who who basically just opposes every warrant request. And, so and they have to and go to through the basis, basic Make facts. it difficult. It's like an office of public defense, not a public defender. It's just that every time a FISA application comes in, there's someone who opposes somebody. That. A lawyer says, "No, we need to be. We think this is wrong, this is wrong, and this is wrong, yeah. so that at least there is some type of process." Now, because imagine them putting the steel dossier through if they had that kind of. They would have never gotten. It yeah, through. because then some DOJ attorney would have flagged that and said, "What are you talking about here? Who got this? This is bizarre." Let me say this though, because you mentioned I worked on the Patriot Act. Yeah, but it's almost twenty years old. Yeah, things have changed, and yeah. we've just gone through a period of time with some of our intelligence agencies, including the Federal Bureau of Investigation. That have done a horrific job, in my view. They abused the power they got. They, they they abused what was allowed in the FISA system. And when you read things like the FBI, this from the order, did not, however, advise DOJ or the court of inconsistencies between sections of Steele's reporting, this is Christopher Steele, that had been used in the application and statement Steele's primary subsource had made to the FBI about the information that he said, the subsource said it was not reliable, the subsource said that the person was a boaster, an egoist, and may engage in embellishment. None of that was put in the in the application. So the court, a fraud was committed on the court, and that's why the court's reacting this way. But what we have to understand as American citizens is what you just said, and I think that is the solution. There needs to be an office like a public advocate that is always, Harry, looking at this, in my view, looking at this. I think that is correct. And so I think we simply have to move away from ex parte uh, investigations uh, before the FISA court or the FISA court application. Um, and I think the, the FISA judges, um, they want to um, move away from this uh, process. But I think within the current um, meets and bounds of the law, uh, there is clearly a basis for reform. So not only do you have active deception by FBI agents in uh, gaining the FISA warrant with respect to Carter Page, you also had active work by FBI and DOJ um, agents who omitted uh, clarifying information. So for instance, Carter Page had cooperated in the past with the CIA. Uh, An FBI official removed that information from the FISA application. So in other words, we are removing uh, information which suggests Carter Page's innocence. Meantime, uh, the FBI and the DOJ uh, are refusing Uh, to examine information that incriminates uh, Christopher Steele. Keep in mind that Christopher Steele relied on so-called confidential human sources. It turns out that his report was a slapdash report, and nowhere in the initial FISA applications uh, was information provided to the judge indicating that Christopher Steele was working for the Democrat National Campaign Committee to elect Hillary Clinton. So in other words, the FISA judge looked at an application 
which did not include pertinent, relevant information, and so uh, that um, application was approved, and that was a clear mistake in violation, I would argue, of the Fourth Amendment of the United States Constitution. And what, what, I, what concerns me is that these judges who serve on the court, and they rotate on and off the court, they're appointed by the Chief Justice to serve for periods of time, um, are feeling like they need to tell the public that, listen, we can't trust these, these, this group of FBI agents or DOJ attorneys or FBI or DOJ personnel from this process. So they have, we have to actually, t- we have to exclude them. And you know why the judge had to do it? Because even in the recommendations on how to fix this, that wasn't part of it. No, Keeping it w- people under criminal investigation for abusing the process was uh, a way from being able to utilize this system while they are under that criminal or disciplinary investigation was not part of the the short-term quick fixes to the problems with FISA. Than how close are we to let this this expiring? I mean, is this is this is FISA gone? I mean, will this be something that we we recreate in a way that maybe excludes Americans, like Rand Paul says, includes a like a defender kind of option, and maybe comes in a new iteration? I think the name should be done away with. I don't like the whole name. I think it's and blame don't blame us. Blame the criminal actions and disciplinary actions at the FBI and DOJ. They've had this power, as you said, for twenty years. They abused it, Than. They're the wrongdoers, and if they make our, us less safe because of it, blame them, because they're the inti- As Jim Jordan said weeks ago, the only reason we're even debating the reauthorization of FISA is because of what the FBI and DOJ did in 2016, and even Democrats don't like it. And Jordan, I hope that's where we're at. I really do. It's not like this reauthorization snuck up on anyone. It's just that Congress never does anything until you get within about a week of a deadline before looking at it seriously. And look, uh, the, the reason that the president's statement is so important, Jordan, is because the only time that you have leverage is now, before there's an authorization or a, an ag- agreement struck. So, you know, this idea we've talked about that maybe there could be a short-term uh, reauthorization while the, while the details were put in place. Jordan, actually, that could happen, but only if you strike the deal now while while there's leverage put in place. And look, I think it's just unequivocally clear that one of those reforms has to be someone that has full access to the information. It just can't be someone that goes in and argues blindly. They have to have full access to the classified information. So if another dossier-like piece of evidence comes forward, they get to look at it, all of the information, and then tell the truth to the FISA court. That's where I would give these judges a little bit of room here, Jordan. I think they felt like they were lied to. I, I do think they're probably trying to save themselves as well. But We've got to have someone in that courtroom who is arguing with full access to the information. I agree with Ann, and I'll tell you something. They were lied to. I mean, let's be clear here. This, was, this wasn't, you know, this is not what we think might have happened. This is what we know has happened. And that's why this court feels like they were abusing this process. No, and I think, again, folks, this is an issue which it's coming to a head next week, and it's going to be really debated. And it could be even something that's debated in the presidential election which is that you've got the law enforcement agencies. I, and I understand the idea. You know, Bill Barr, I, I could trust Bill Barr with reforms on this, but I don't know who's going to replace Bill Barr next in months. So why would I try? You know, that's my issue with just a blanket reauthorization. Now, if they reauthorize it for two weeks because they needed to put well, in these reforms, that's one thing to me, for me. But but if you're talking about a full extension of FISA, and we're just going to rely on the DOJ to handle the problem? No, thank you. Here's what. Because here's, I rely, I would rely on this Department of Justice under Bill Barr 
But I would not rely on the next guy or the next guy to be able to, even That's if it's a Republican, problem. to be able to go up against uh, the, the bureaucracy inside the DOJ That's and the FBI. you got to be like I, Bill Barr to do that. And he takes so much heat, as we've seen recently, even from judges, from carrying out the, the actual laws of the way, that, U.S. That, 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 that attack on Judge Walton on Bill Barr, we yeah. reversed Judge Walton on the yeah, IRS he's an cases. he's reverse judge. Who's, yeah, well, we reversed him. Yes. So, I mean, and he said, look, you made a point about Bill Barr. I mean, I think Bill's doing a great job as yeah. the Attorney General of the United States. It, you know, he may be there for another year. He may be there for another four years. I have no idea. But I do know this. Someone's going to be after him. Yeah. And this is, and the court is saying, and this is what to me is important. The court's saying this is not fixed. That's what the court is saying. That these improvements, these changes are not enough to make this system constitutional. And that's what we have to remember what's going on here. Yeah. So, folks, again, we encourage you because we bring this, we brought this to the forefront. We've been fighting these agencies for years. We have been, I think, methodical about it. We're not some group that said you should never have had FISA to begin with. We haven't taken that approach. But we have experienced, I think, firsthand yep. how abusive this law can be and how hard it can be to correct the wrongs, why it should likely, as the president supports, be fundamentally reformed or scrapped and started o- start over. And there should be a bipartisan effort there. If, if, it, if it truly is necessary to protect our country, where there's a question about that, too. If it's just an abusive, uh, if it's just something that's been abused by the FBI and DOJ to spy on Americans for years, and it hasn't been used really to protect our country, that, that, that needs to come to the forefront because we're having FISA judges telling us this is a time to support the work that the ACLJ does. Putting the pressure on Congress, putting the pressure on these government agencies, whether they're Republican or Democrat. Double the impact your donation. We have a matching challenge right now at ACLJ.org. Donate today, ACLJ.org. Only when a society can agree that the most vulnerable and voiceless deserve to be protected is there any hope for that culture to survive. And that's exactly what you are saying when you stand with the American Center for Law and Justice to defend the right to life. We've created a free, powerful publication offering a panoramic view of the ACLJ's battle for the unborn. It's called Mission Life. It will show you how you are personally impacting the pro-life battle through your support. And the publication includes a look at all major ACLJ pro-life cases, how we're fighting for the rights of pro-life activists, the ramifications of Roe v. Wade 40 years later, Planned Parenthood's role in the abortion industry, and what Obamacare means to the pro-life movement. Discover the many ways your membership with the ACLJ is empowering the right to life. Request your free copy of Mission Life today online at aclj.org gift. At the American Center for Law and Justice, we're engaged in critical issues at home and abroad. Whether it's defending religious freedom, protecting those who are persecuted for their faith, uncovering corruption in the Washington bureaucracy, and fighting to protect life in the courts and in Congress, the ACLJ would not be able to do any of this without your support. For that, we are grateful. Now there's an opportunity for you to help in a unique way. For a limited time, you can participate in the ACLJ's Matching Challenge. For every dollar you donate, it will be matched. A $10 gift becomes $20. A $50 gift becomes $100. This is a critical time for the ACLJ. The work we do simply would not occur without your generous support. Take part in our Matching Challenge today. You can make a difference in the work we do, protecting the constitutional and religious freedoms that are most important to you and your family. 
Give a gift today online at aclj.org. Jay Secchio Live. This is Jordan Secchio. We are taking your phone calls at 1-800-684-3110. Let me play this for folks, again, who, who are, do not join us on Facebook and Periscope. Just briefly, we're taking your phone calls on the FISA issue. Do you think Congress should reauthorize FISA for a short period of time and, and enforce reforms? Do you agree with President Trump? He's not signing anything unless it's got reforms. Should it be done away with completely and Congress redraft uh, what should be a 21st century version of of a law to, to help protect us from what is supposed to be foreign, you know, acts of terror. 1-800-684-3110 to weigh in. But we're also still very engaged. Pastor Saw, still imprisoned in China now three years. By the way, his his in his prison uh, has now got the uh, coronavirus. Yep. So uh, health concerns, there are issues there because of how China's dealt with that. So he's facing that. And yesterday marked his third year in prison. Well, the European Center for Law and Justice was in Geneva at the United Nations Human Rights Council. Uh, Christoph from our team there, uh, one of our attorneys, delivered these remarks to the entire Human Rights Council. Uh, you could you you could take a listen if you're listening on radio or or again on uh, SiriusXM, and of course if you're on Facebook and Periscope, you will see this. But I want our, all of our audience to hear what the European Center for Law and Justice is doing on behalf of this pastor imprisoned in China. I now give the floor to the European Center for Law and Justice. Thank you, Madam President. Yesterday marked the third anniversary of Pastor John Tsao's unlawful imprisonment in China. Pastor Tsao is a U.S. lawful permanent resident who has faithfully served the people of China as a missionary for over two decades. Pastor Tsao conducted his commendable humanitarian work openly and without incident until March of 2017, when Pastor Tsao was unexpectedly targeted, arrested, convicted, and sentenced to seven years of prison, in prison. Last year, the UN Working Group on Arbitrary Detention adopted Opinion 35-2019 regarding Pastor Tsao's unlawful detention. They found in favor of Pastor Tsao, noting among, among other things that, quote, his arrest was carried out in a manner to, that singled out Mr. Tsao on the basis of his religion, at quote, and was a clear violation of Articles 7 and 19 of the UDHR further stating that, quote, the appropriate remedy would be to release Mr. Tsao immediately and accord him an enforceable right to compensation and other reparations in accordance with international law, end quote. To date, Pastor Tsao is in Kanming prison. His family is greatly burdened for him as the spread of the coronavirus continues throughout prisons in China. Pastor Tsao is an innocent man who was selflessly working to make a better world. This council should respectfully and firmly back the working group on arbitrary detention's decision, remind China of its continued obligations under the UDHR, and request that Pastor Tsao be immediately released from his unlawful imprisonment. I thank you. You know, that was, that was yesterday at the UN. It, just to understand the scope of the work that we do at the ACLJ. You can support us because you love this radio broadcast. That's part of what we do at the, at the ACLJ. We bring this broadcast to you every single day live with analysis of what's happening in the world, what's happening in our country, elections, what cases ACLJ is working on, what's going through the Supreme Court, what's going through Congress, the FISA issue. But understand the scope and breadth of our organization. Is that So when this pastor is in prison in China, we've got our team there, uh, based in Strasbourg, France, but they are there at the UN in Geneva uh, to deliver this to the entire Human Rights Council. It is a great time of the year to support the work that we do at the ACLJ. 
and that supports the work that the ECLJ does that you just saw. It makes sure that they they can get there and and again advocate on the behalf of this pastor uh, by just jumping on a train, a quick train ride, and because we have the credentials and we're, we're we're totally authorized to be there as an NGO at the UN, they're able to make these remarks and to speak to the world's ambassadors, if you will, the ambassadors from all over the world, and putting Ch- China on notice and other countries as well about what China is doing. Uh, it is, again, important that you support our work. And this month, the Matching Challenge Month, that means whatever you donate to the ACLJ is effectively doubled. What does that mean? A $20 donation. That's what you're charging your credit card. If you went right now at ACLJ.org, clicked on that Matching Challenge banner and donated, that's what you're charged. But it effectively is $40 for the ACLJ. $50, that's what you're charged, your tax-deductible donation. But that's $100 for the ACLJ. It's throughout the entire month of March is our matching challenge. I'm trying to just show you just different examples, all just the breadth and scope of the work that we do here in the U.S. and around the world, touching on basically every major issue you hear about in the news and the issues that, unfortunately, people don't talk about. People, you know, enough, which is people people wrongfully and arbitrarily detained around the world uh, because of their faith. Support the work of the ACLJ. Donate online right now at aclj.org and double the impact your donation. You know, also, we were at the International Criminal Court in December, and a decision came out, which uh, we were not surprised in that because the ICC has this view of jurisdiction. They think they can reach anybody in the world, including the United States. Um, we objected to that. The court said, well, we're not going to really get into that right now. We'll let you do that at a later date. No, but you do this. It's like going to the UN. You go there because it's the right thing to do to stay engaged. But the ICC decision, which when we expected what we got, got a very strong rebuke from the Secretary of State. Yeah, and you go there too because you're going to say we're going to be here next time if you try to take the, the take real action. So you let us in the door. We're going to stay here. We're going to keep our foot in the door. Exactly. That's what you have to do in these, by the way, these international organizations. But listen to what Mike Pompeo, this is our Secretary of State. We said the U.S. would respond to this. It's had a longstanding policy. But Mike Pompeo laid it out. How he felt about the ICC, who, by the way, his prosecutor can't even travel to the United States, is banned from traveling to the United States. Bite 18. This is a truly breathtaking action by an unaccountable political institution masquerading as a legal body. It is all the more reckless for this ruling to come just days after the United States signed a historic peace deal on Afghanistan, which is the best chance for peace in a generation. The United States is not a party to the ICC. We will take all necessary measures to protect our citizens from this renegade, unlawful, so-called court. And he went on to say this. I mean, listen to the words he's using. So there he said, unaccountable political institution masquerading as a legal, legal body, renegade, unlawful, so-called court. Take a listen to Bite 19. We have lots of young men and women who served in Afghanistan, and not only our military, but intelligence warriors and diplomats who served there. Now you have this crazy renegade body sitting in the Hague, Netherlands, who wants to come after them for actions that the American people wanted them to undertake. It's right. wrong. It's deeply troubling. And I want everyone to know that the United States under President Trump's could do everything we can to make sure that they never come after any of you. So there you go. I mean, I, Dad, the words used crazy renegade uh, body sitting in the Hague. Uh, it's there for rogue nations, as he goes yeah. on to say. It was set up to, to not not institutions like America. And, and, we're going, and we're going back, by the way. We're working on a brief right now on uh, on behalf of Israel. Because their obsession is, how do they go after the U.S. and Israel? Yeah, but the, every time they do this, Harry, they're hurting themselves. 
<laughs> they are. Uh, they're hurting their credibility. Uh, they don't understand, in my judgment, the rule of law. So rather than going after truly rogue countries like Iran, for instance, like Syria, for instance, they want to go after countries that have written constitutions and consistently comply with the law. So in some sense, the ICC has simply turned the rule of law upside down in their obsession with the West, with their obsession with the United States, their obsession with Israel, rather than the truly rogue nations in the world that are wreaking havoc on humanity worldwide. All right, folks, when we come back, 1-800-684-3110, we're going to jump right into politics because the Democrats have got some major nominating contests coming up next week. What's been happening politically as well? We're taking your phone calls on that too. 1-800-684-3110. Support the work of the ACLJ at aclj.org. At the American Center for Law and Justice, we're engaged in critical issues at home and abroad. For a limited time, you can participate in the ACLJ's Matching Challenge. For every dollar you donate, it will be matched. A $10 gift becomes $20. A $50 gift becomes $100. You can make a difference in the work we do, protecting the constitutional and religious freedoms that are most important to you and your family. Give a gift today online at aclj.org. From Washington, D.C., Jay Sekulow Live. And now, your host, Jordan Sekulow. We're going to stay on that FISA issue, folks, and uh, we'll update you on the ICC issues as well. Welcome back to the second half hour of Jay Sekulow Live. But we do want to talk politics as well. First of all, the president, who's in Nashville, Tennessee, and out, and then areas outside of uh, Nashville, Tennessee today, uh, going through the tornado damage meeting with uh, the Folks on this, the government, both at the city level, state level, county level, federal level, who are helping with the disaster relief, uh, but also uh, meeting with folks in distribution centers, meeting with those who have been affected, who lost loved ones, uh, who are who have been hospitalized and injured, and then he'll be going to the CDC uh, for an update on uh, the coronavirus as well. The, the president was criticized because he was potentially not going to uh, do the CDC visit because he didn't want to cause a disruption i will tell you uh anywhere the president goes traffic gets shut down the, uh, you know if you're in the, the building the building changes and so he was concerned about that and also that someone at cdc had tested positive was potentially carrying the virus and so that they were testing that person it turned out once they cleared that that person did not have the virus the president said okay well and the cdc said he will not be too much of a disruption uh he will go so he's a president who again he didn't rush to nashville the day after because he knows how disruptive it can be. Let them get the funds. Let people get settled. You come when you're not going to be a disruption. You come kind of midday, which is what he's doing, and you leave before the traffic starts again, uh, and people can go about their day, and also that the workers can do the work that they need uh, to do. So the president's doing that. But we've also, the president did his first town hall 
of 2020. Of course, he's had the rallies, but his first town hall. And he commented on Bernie, and he commented on Joe Biden. And because those are the two most likely, uh, one of those two he's going to face. It looks like right now Joe Biden, but again, you got to be prepared for for one of those two and maybe a surprise still uh, because of how the, the bizarre nominating process of the Democrats. Take a listen to the president. He's on his first town hall. That's where he's that means he's taking questions from voters in Pennsylvania, a state he carried, which Republicans uh, have had a tough time with um, carrying in the presidential election. He was able to do it as he was from Pennsylvania all across the, the country through Wisconsin to Minnesota and states like that. Uh, take a listen to the president, bite number nine. So you want to face Joe Biden or Bernie Sanders? That's my question. I'll tell you, I was all set for Bernie because I thought it was going to happen. You know, we get ready for things, right? So mentally, I'm all set for Bernie. Communist, I had everything down. He's a communist. I was all set. And then we have this crazy thing that happened, right? On Tuesday, which he thought was Thursday. (laughs) But he also said... 150 million people were killed with guns, and he was running for the United States Senate. Support me, I'm running for the United States. There's something going on there. But I was all set. I was all set. And, you know, when I focus and we all focus, sometimes you do well and some people choke. So again, that, that again came from the president. So he, uh, he, he was asked specifically, too, by, by, so he said, obviously, as everyone was saying, it looked like Bernie Sanders was on the path, but that the Democrats would try to steal it from him. The president's been clear about that, too. So while he said he thought it would be Bernie, he's also been clear that he thought there was always something up with uh, the chance of Bernie actually getting the nomination. Than, uh before we get into his statements about Biden on what is going to be something people hear about, again, whether Mitt Romney likes it or not, or Joe Biden, is Burisma, which is being now investigated by Ukraine because they've got that new court system in place, and, and they're investigating Ukrainian wrongdoing but now the senate is looking at what hunter was up to as well and uh and the president got asked about that i'll play that when we come back from the break as well totally fair game it's a he's a 49 year old man i think and and was making millions of dollars while his dad was secretary of of us uh, was vice president and working with a for uh, the secretary of state's son but but then this is you could see already how the battle lines are forming in this election for the president's first town hall well, and Hunter Biden's time uh, is also relevant to the former vice president's record as both vice president and, frankly, United States senator. So, yeah, it's fair game. Uh, the only thing I would say about those comments as we come to a break here, Jordan, is it sure doesn't take this president long to pivot, does he? I mean, he, no. he was ready to pivot, and he went hard. He goes hard. Listen, he, he punches very hard, and it's why. I mean, he punched at Mike Bloomberg. He even Bernie Sanders was saying, like, stay out, stay out. And, and you know, it's just very interesting. 1-800-684-3110. We'll be- at the American Center for Law and Justice, we're engaged in critical issues at home and abroad. Whether it's defending religious freedom, protecting those who are persecuted for their faith, uncovering corruption in the Washington bureaucracy, and fighting to protect life in the courts and in Congress, the ACLJ would not be able to do any of this without your support. For that, we are grateful. Now there's an opportunity for you to help in a unique way. For a limited time, you can participate in the ACLJ's Matching Challenge. For every dollar you donate, it will be matched. A $10 gift becomes $20. A $50 gift becomes $100. 
This is a critical time for the ACLJ. The work we do simply would not occur without your generous support. Take part in our matching challenge today. You can make a difference in the work we do, protecting the constitutional and religious freedoms that are most important to you and your family. Give a gift today online at aclj.org. Only when a society can agree that the most vulnerable and voiceless deserve to be protected is there any hope for that culture to survive. And that's exactly what you are saying when you stand with the American Center for Law and Justice to defend the right to life. We've created a free, powerful publication offering a panoramic view of the ACLJ's battle for the unborn. It's called Mission Life. It will show you how you are personally impacting the pro-life battle through your support. And the publication includes a look at all major ACLJ pro-life cases, how we're fighting for the rights of pro-life activists, the ramifications of Roe v. Wade 40 years later, Planned Parenthood's role in the abortion industry, and what Obamacare means to the pro-life movement. Discover the many ways your membership with the ACLJ is empowering the right to life. Request your free copy of Mission Life today online at aclj.org slash gift. Coming up in the nominating process, the president doing his first town hall. Where do, do the Democrats go next? Well, they, they go next on uh, next Tuesday. 352 delegates up for grabs. Idaho, 20. Michigan, 125. Mississippi, 36. Missouri, 68. North Dakota, 14. Washington State at, at 89 delegates. Let's go through where the polls are. We don't really have a great one out of Idaho. Uh, in Michigan, uh, we're getting uh, it's, it, Joe Biden. Is it's just it's been really his polls have been skyrocketing there. There have actually been headlines that Michigan could bury Bernie Sanders. That that could be it. That then because of the amount of delegates Joe Biden takes, because it's not just Michigan, but that's the biggest one. But also Mississippi and Missouri, uh, all of those which have the most delegates next week. Uh, you know, when you combine that, you've got again. 200-plus delegates, the only state that Bernie Sanders is likely, and he's only leading by 6%, so he's not going to get a full haul there, is Washington State. I mean, these are the kind of states that you think Bernie Sanders is going to win. But listen, he didn't win Maine. Uh, he didn't win Massachusetts and or Minnesota. And so you got to wonder if he's got a 6% lead now, if that's even going to hold in Washington State. But they're saying, Than, that Michigan alone could bury Bernie Sanders, that he would have no chance of even a plurality of the delegates anymore. Yeah, and there's a couple of reasons that Michigan's so significant coming up. First of all, is the one you just mentioned, Jordan. It is the largest state as far as delegates go up for up for grabs next Tuesday. Uh, but the other thing is, Jordan, this is a state that he won against Hillary Clinton last year. I mean, so this was definitely in his map, in his scenario of a state that he needed uh, to get to the to the plurality or to the majority. Uh, Jordan, I would suggest to you that a couple of those states that you mentioned that he already lost were in there as well. So if Michigan follows that trend, it would be a much larger state uh, to follow that that trend with the exception of Texas. Uh, it would be a real death nail uh, to Senator Sanders. I would tell you this, though. If you look at the trend of the polls in Michigan, uh, Jordan, you don't have to go back that far. I mean, you go back two or three weeks and Senator Sanders had a very large lead there. And now it looks like he's, he's trailing pretty significantly. So all of the momentum is on the side of the former vice president. Here is the one hedge I would make, Jordan. Everything on paper favors the former vice president now. Here's the one hedge I would make. 
Vice President Biden is capable of falling down just about uh, unlike any other candidate that I've ever seen in history. So I don't think that Senator Sanders can win this, Jordan, but I still think the former vice president could lose it. Yeah, I mean, this again, folks, uh, I think that's the point is that we're not at a point where you can just say Joe Biden's got this. There's there's many gaff points along, along the way, Harry, uh, many issues, as the president points out, like his, like his son, people start rethinking this. Democrats will start rethinking, is this the best person to put forward when you have so much ammo that 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 uh, that you're giving on a day-to-day basis because of the gaffes you make as Joe Biden, because of your long history uh, of being in politics, so long that you voted on everything, but also because of what your family's been up to while you were vice president. Take a listen. Sean Hannity asked the president directly, you're going to make it an issue, Hunter Biden, in the campaign by 10. After all you went through, and now that you see Ron Johnson in the Senate and you see Ukraine investigating this issue, uh, and then the other countries such as China that Peter Schweitz about, uh, writes about in great detail, that Hunter, again, no experience making tons of money. It has to be a campaign issue. How do you plan to use it, or do you plan to use it? That will be a major issue in the campaign. I will bring that up all the time because I don't see any way out. I don't see any way for them. I don't see how they can answer those questions. And maybe they can. I hope they can. I'd actually prefer it that they can, but I don't believe they'll be able to answer those questions. That was purely corrupt. Purely corrupt. Purely corrupt. I think that, again, you you, you saw Harry right there, the president, saying, 100% I'm bringing this to the forefront. So he might. they may have tried to impeach him. They may not like it. But it's it's total fair game, and it, he's 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 ready to go with it. So people are going to learn even more about Hunter Biden and Burisma than they thought possible. I think that's correct, and I think the American people should. Uh, after all, why should Hunter Biden uh, become one of the richest people in the United States, largely because his dad was vice president? Uh, Hunter Biden has zero experience in energy, limited experience in banking, but suddenly he's catapulted to the top of a foreign um, board uh, in Ukraine. Um, why? Because uh, Vice President Biden apparently uh, led the Ukrainian portfolio. Over, he was overseeing American relationships with the Ukraine. But in addition to that, of course, we should not underestimate Joe Biden's ability to sabotage his own campaign. After all, he's an individual who said um, that over 150 million Americans have been killed since 2007. He said that his child care um, uh, policy would put 720 million women back to work in the United States. Uh, well, there are only 330 million people in the United States, and uh, roughly half of them are women. So he has a math problem. Um, so he's an individual who has also suggested uh, that uh, he is running for the United States Senate. Um, and um, he's an individual that has given the following advised uh, to parents, play the radio, make sure the television is on, excuse me, make sure you have the record player on at night. Poor kids are just as bright and just as talented as white kids. We choose science over fiction. We choose truth over facts. Think about it. We hold these truths to be self-evident. 
all men and women yeah. created by the oh I don't oh, even play know it, what let's I, play it for people. This is this is just the 2020 campaign. Some of the top gaffes we put together for you from Joe Biden. So this is not Joe Biden over the years. This is Joe Biden in 2020 campaign. Take a listen. Tomorrow is Superstar Tuesday, and I want to thank you all. I tell you what, I'm rushing ahead, aren't I? 150 million people have been killed since 2007 when Bernie voted to exempt the gun manufacturers from liability. It would put 720 million back, million women back in the workforce. Nobody should be in jail for a nonviolent crime. My name's Joe Biden. I'm a Democratic candidate for the United States Senate. What's not to like about Vermont in terms of the beauty of it? And what a neat town. Play the radio. Make sure the television, excuse me, make sure you have the record player on at night. Poor kids are just as bright and just as talented as white kids. We choose science over fiction. We choose truth over facts. Think about it. We hold these truths to be self-evident. All men and women created by the go, you know the you know the thing. You know. I mean, he hasn't even gotten to the tough part, which is when you get the full your Democrats are still you still care primaries are rough, but they they're not nearly as rough. As when you've got Republican versus Democrat in the country kind of taking these lines, and you've got this to go start with on just competency, just competency. And you know you're going against Donald Trump who can get up there and throw punches that you don't even, you know they're going to be tough, but you have no idea what they might be and, and, he, and, and it can hit on the fly. Man, oh man, can you imagine those debates, Jordan, the general <laughs> no. election debate? I just, I just, I, I listened to that clip you just put together, and I just, I think you'll probably be able to put one together every single debate. And I would just remind people, he didn't really have to face this in the debates because remember, he was down so early. I mean, the, the, the front runners well, were, were other people. <laughs> What's funny, right. Dan, is that so all these were just like statements he made at, at like campaign right. events. These weren't like he was under tremendous pressure during this. And, and and by the way, that's not even close to all of them. That's not the one where no. he mixed up his sister and his wife. I mean, so there's a <laughs> lot more out there. Uh, look, and, and let me just let me just say this though: as, as frustrating as those may be, and as hard as he's going to get hit over them, uh, Jordan, his track record, his record is going to uh, just uh, compound this. I mean, think about just the life issue. He's going to try to run saying that he's moderate enough to get Republican votes or moderate enough to get uh, people of faith to vote for him across the Rust Belt and other places. Uh, Jordan, he abandoned the Hyde Amendment this year, which is uh, the, the amendment that says taxpayer dollars can't be used uh, not to subsidize abortions, to directly pay for abortions. He reversed course on that in order to try to get this nomination. So you combine uh, that gaffe mashup with some of the other things he said, then you put him in a debate with Donald Trump, and then you tell people of faith and people with uh, a, a pro-life background that he's reversed himself on the Hyde Amendment and other things. Uh, Jordan, he's got a very difficult summer and fall ahead if he does get this nomination all right folks we want to take your calls about this 1-800-684-3110 final segment coming up you've got time to get in your call right now 1-800-684-3110 is it going to be joe biden is he going to bury bernie next week in with michigan and it doesn't look great for bernie by the way you get to the next states arizona florida illinois and ohio out of the best polling we have three of the four all likely biden right now those are huge states too that's the next week on the 17th after that you get through the 10th then it's Georgia, which is another big state with 105 delegates. Does not look great. Biden is up yet again. I mean, you've seen significant shifts in the polls. Could that change? Of course it could change. Of course it could change. 
but there may be a limit to where Bernie Sanders' support goes. And if Joe Biden can turn out certain segments of the population in all of these different places, Bernie may just have a, a limit. He's got like where, how far he can go. And if there's high turnout and people in line for hours, he loses. Make sure to support the work, by the way, the ACLJ. Be part of our matching challenge at aclj.org. Double the impact of your donation today, aclj.org. Only when a society can agree that the most vulnerable and voiceless deserve to be protected is there any hope for that culture to survive. And that's exactly what you are saying when you stand with the American Center for Law and Justice to defend the right to life. We've created a free, powerful publication offering a panoramic view of the ACLJ's battle for the unborn. It's called Mission Life. It will show you how you are personally impacting the pro-life battle through your support. And the publication includes a look at all major ACLJ pro-life cases, how we're fighting for the rights of pro-life activists, the ramifications of Roe v. Wade 40 years later, Planned Parenthood's role in the abortion industry, and what Obamacare means to the pro-life movement. Discover the many ways your membership with the ACLJ is empowering the right to life. Request your free copy of Mission Life today online at aclj.org gift. At the American Center for Law and Justice, we're engaged in critical issues at home and abroad. Whether it's defending religious freedom, protecting those who are persecuted for their faith, uncovering corruption in the Washington bureaucracy, and fighting to protect life in the courts and in Congress, the ACLJ would not be able to do any of this without your support. For that, we are grateful. Now there's an opportunity for you to help in a unique way. For a limited time, you can participate in the ACLJ's Matching Challenge. For every dollar you donate, it will be matched. A $10 gift becomes $20. A $50 gift becomes $100. This is a critical time for the ACLJ. The work we do simply would not occur without your generous support. Take part in our Matching Challenge today. You can make a difference in the work we do, protecting the constitutional and religious freedoms that are most important to you and your family. Give a gift today online at aclj.org. That's 1-800-684-3110, talking politics. Just getting you ready for next week with the Democrat nomination. The president, by the way, is in uh, Tennessee today, uh, outside Nashville and in Nashville, uh, surveying the damage, meeting with those folks and families who have been affected by the uh, tornado. uh, And again, that continued to come down on, on Nashville and moving east. Uh, and, uh, and the people who've lost lives, the families uh, who have lost everything. And then he'll be at the CDC on the coronavirus. So, uh, a, a big day uh, for the president, uh, t- touring both, uh, the disaster area and then dealing with, uh, the virus, uh, that is, uh, causing issues with the U S economy. We're going to write the phones 1-800-684-3110 talking politics right now. Tony calling in from New Jersey online one, Tony, welcome to J live. You're on the air. Hello, Jordan. Um, my question really is, um, I voted for um, every presidential election since Ronald Reagan. Yep. And I am very confused if you can uh, help me out. Is there a rule or is there uh, any, any reason that uh, they can actually just substitute 
Michelle Obama at the last minute and pulled Biden out. So you're and, talking about the party. And, so so remember that, that those are that's up to the party. Parties decide their nominating contests and how it works. That's why you can have caucus states, primary states, and they kind of uh, internally debate when states will go and when you know in the calendar. Uh, on each, and Republicans do this too. Democrats have a more complicated system than. But yes, absolutely. Depending on how the delegate count comes out, they can make those kind of moves because they have what's called super delegates. So if no one gets a the, the magic number of delegates on their own through the primary and and caucus process, the nominating process, there are this group of super delegates that can really start mixing things up quickly. Yeah, and they wouldn't even have to change the rules. That's no. right. I mean, to answer Tony's question, I'm not, I'm not even saying I think this is going to happen, but it's really pretty straightforward. If nobody gets to that magic delegate number, which is 1,991, and Jordan, there's a very real chance that yeah. neither of these candidates could, I still think Joe Biden might. But if they didn't, and it got to a second ballot, not only would those 771 superdelegates come in on the second ballot to sway it, but Jordan, all of those delegates that are pledged on the first ballot to these uh, these candidates who have earned them, they're not pledged on that second ballot. So theoretically, Michelle Obama, really any other person that you pick, if the party put them in on a second ballot, yeah, the superdelegates to now all of these delegates that are unpledged, sure, the, pro- the, the party could put forward a nominee who uh, hasn't gone before the voters in a single state. I don't think that would be Democratic, Jordan, but they could absolutely do it. All right, folks, we're going to take your calls, 1-800-684-3110. That's 1-800-684-3110. Cheryl wrote in, does Biden have a smartphone or use a walkie-talkie to communicate? You know, I, I, I don't know that he has a smartphone. I, I know that, you know, he's not someone like President Trump who will take to Twitter on his own and clearly communicate, which I think, again, the president gets a lot of criticism for, but you know he always, Perry, how the president feels about just about on every issue. He holds nothing back, and he gets criticism for that. But there's no the Joe Biden is a very managed candidate, and everything looks very prim and proper. I would say until he starts talking on the stump. I think that's true, and I think it's clear beyond question that President Trump is much quicker on his feet yeah. than than Joe Biden. Uh, Joe Biden basically has bumbled his way through this um, presidential campaign. And nonetheless, he is still the front runner in part because of the weakness of his uh, opposition. Um, but I think he will face um, certainly a strong opponent in November uh, should he get the nod from the Democratic Party. But I also think there's still a possibility, it might be a slight one, uh, that the Democratic Party decides they don't want either Biden or Sanders. Uh, and they pull someone uh, out of a hat uh, that we haven't yet uh, considered. Yeah. So, again, Than, 1-800-684-3110. You look at these upcoming contests, things don't look great for Bernie Sanders. I mean, these were not going to be places that were wonderful for him. He'd have to make a comeback in Michigan. That's going to be key next week. I mean, yes, you can look at the other states. I mean, Missouri's big, too, but... I don't see that happening for Bernie. It's not a Bernie type state, and he better win big. Six percent, a six percent win in Washington State. You think these coastal places that are supposed to be more liberal? That's a loss for Bernie to me. And if he loses Michigan, yeah. even by two percent, a huge loss to Bernie. 
Well, here's the problem, Jordan. I mean, the slate that would hit, was his is now passed. It was on Super Tuesday, and he was supposed to win three or four more states there. So not only does he have to get back to level water in the states ahead, he's actually got to make up three or four or five states that he did not expect to win. So if you look at the slate coming up on the 10th of March, I think initially when he set out, he probably would have been hoping to win uh, Michigan, Washington, and Idaho. Idaho's very small, but he probably would have thought, you know, maybe a 3-3 split here and just keep a lead that he built on Super Tuesday. Uh, Jordan, even that wouldn't be enough. I, you know, I think right now he's probably slated to lose Idaho uh, and Michigan and go even further behind, but that would just get him back to level water and Joe Biden would still have a lead. And if you start moving uh, beyond then, then you get to multiple big states on a single day. You look at the 17th, Florida, Illinois, and Ohio. Jordan, he cannot afford to lose even two of those three, and he's behind in all three of them. So I would tell you, he needs to pull off a surprise in Michigan, and then somehow he probably needs to win two of those three uh, on the 17th. It's very unlikely, but again, I'm going to say this again just because I don't. Th- I think there's a very non-zero chance of this. Senator Sanders can't win this at this point, Jordan, but Vice President Biden, he can absolutely lose it. And if he loses it because of something that he does, then maybe Senator Sanders can sweep back in. But I really think this is in the vice president's court at this point. So, I mean, yeah, you keep looking at this. And again, it can switch. Okay. Who would have thought? No one predicted weeks ago. Not not the best Democrat strategist. I would not call myself that. I, you know, again, you could be very involved in politics. But you were. I was trying to listen. I was listening to them. The the world of the Democrats. I saw that they were very concerned. They were very nervous. The main mainstream progressive left about Bernie Sanders because of what it could mean to their House majority, what it could mean to the Senate, and they were basically giving up the uh, the presidential election already. But they were nervous about getting behind Joe Biden because he just seemed not like not just seemed he isn't a very good per, can, candidate on the campaign trail. Uh, he he's kind of bizarre. He does some bizarre actions. Uh, and uh, again, he just hasn't been that clear. But they have to, so. Then I think. Uh, well, Harry, I think the key is for Joe Biden. Does he keep this going? Does what was what happened on Tuesday a fluke because people got so nervous? To order people stay as committed as they are inside the Democrat Party to keeping Bernie from ha- making any case, any legitimate case, even that he should get the nomination. I think that's what they want to make sure is that his supporters. Uh, would be making up a conspiracy theory if they try to cry foul because Joe Biden will be in the lead so much with delegates, even if he doesn't have the necessary to to, to not go to that second round of, of superdelegates. Well, I think the key for Joe Biden is basically not to talk. So I think that if he doesn't say anything between now and next week, more likely than not, Joe Biden will win two out of the three main states that are up for grabs next week, and then this will effectively block uh, uh, Bernie Sanders. Uh, Joe Biden's major problem is when he actually opens his mouth, uh, because even Joe Biden doesn't know what he's prepared to say. All right, folks. 1-800. Let me tell you this. Go to ACLJ.org. We'll keep you updated next week. The website stays updated throughout the day, throughout the weekend, aclj.org. Double the impact your donation, aclj.org. Talk to you next week. At the American Center for Law and Justice, we're engaged in critical issues at home and abroad. For a limited time, you can participate in the ACLJ's Matching Challenge. 
For every dollar you donate, it will be matched. A $10 gift becomes $20. A $50 gift becomes $100. You can make a difference in the work we do, protecting the constitutional and religious freedoms that are most important to you and your family. Give a gift today online at aclj.org.